If you've got a Bible, please could you turn up Ephesians chapter 4. This is a passage that Steve has asked uh, me to preach on tonight. It's his favourite passage in the Bible. We did look at it relatively recently in our Ephesians series, um, but there's no harm at all in coming back to it. It's a great passage. And we're going to have a look at chapter 4, verses 17 to the end of the chapter. If you've got a church Bible, it's page 1175. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him according with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, these words are very special to Steve as they describe all that has happened in his life. And they describe what has happened in many of our lives too. And yet we are aware that in many ways this passage holds a mirror up to our own faces because we fall short of your glory every day. So as we learn about how your spirit can transform our lives and make us more like Christ day by day, please help us to see this passage as just as special as Steve sees it and for it to have real meaning in our lives. Please would you open our eyes to see the glorious truths that we have within it today. Amen. Um, I I think baptism services are one of the greatest joys in life, aren't they? Because we're celebrating a complete transformation in a person's life. Um, Not transformation that's just on the outside, a bit like seeing a caterpillar become a butterfly. Absolutely beautiful. Um, You sure, when a person comes to Christ, you do see an outward change in them. 
because of the way that they act and speak and as God works. But the more significant change, the root of any external change, is a change on the inside. And today we are celebrating the transformation that has taken place in Steve's heart as God has worked. Uh, as I said earlier, this is one of Steve's favourite passages and it's a great joy to be able to look at it together. And we're just going to look at it by asking three questions. Um, looking at Steve's example of his life, where have we all got it wrong? Just as he had the humility to admit just now where he had got it wrong. Uh, how can our lives be changed as his life has been changed? And what would this look like going forward? Uh, really simple, but I hope will help us. Uh, when I was uh, a teenager, I played far too much rugby. That meant I spent far too much time with my feet squashed into rugby boots, getting crushed, changing direction too quickly, getting stood on, and my feet have slowly changed shape. And this has happened to them. That's not actually my foot, before you think that's disgusting. But anyone know what that is? It's a callus. You know when you get a blister and your skin rubs on your feet or your hands and then it heals up and then later perhaps it rubs again? Eventually you get one of these calluses forming on the bottom of your feet. Uh, and when I played a lot of rugby, my feet were a complete wreck because there had been loads of rubbing in the boots and it created a hardness on my skin. And what happens when you get a callus on your foot or anywhere else in your body is the skin becomes really tough. I guess it's a natural way of protecting your feet. But what happens as well is that the skin almost dies and so the skin loses sensitivity. And if you to touch where you've got a blister or a callus, you can't really feel very much. Now what's happened to my feet, calloused and, and rubbed away with dead skin from all the demands and stresses I put on them by playing rugby for too many years, that kind of callus has formed around each of our hearts. I spoke about this not long ago in, the, in a passage looking at the book of Isaiah, but it's this idea that our hearts have become hardened to God. And Steve spoke about that in his testimony, didn't he? Just have a look at that passage. If you look at verse 18, do you see the kind of trajectory that is set on when our hearts become hard? I've just put it there for us to follow through. When our hearts become hard towards God, we're no longer sensitive to his will. We don't want to live life his way. We don't want to acknowledge that he is Lord. Our hearts become hard, and that leads to an ignorance. That's hard for us to hear, isn't it? I don't want to be told that I'm ignorant. But ignorance in the sense that we haven't really understood what is right and true and good and proper, because our hearts have become hard. And as Steve described in his testimony, when we become ignorant inside, it leads to a separation. Separation often from people, but far more importantly, a separation from God. God in all his holiness can't just be in relationship with me and all of my brokenness. As we get separated from God, what happens, and we've looked at this a number of times in Isaiah, is our understanding becomes darkened. We can't see clearly anymore. So you think of millions of people in the world who just ignore God and walk off their own way. This has happened. A kind of callous has formed around their heart. Their hearts have become hard to God. They've become ignorant. They're separated from God. And then their understanding has become darkened. And then notice what happens when all this happens. Look at verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, just like parts of my feet I can't feel anymore because the foot has got so hard, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. When my heart becomes hard and my mind is darkened and I don't understand who God is, I'm just going to pursue whatever feels right to me, aren't I? 
life's going to be about me and what I want to do, my pleasures, my desires. And so my whole life suddenly revolves around me rather than rightfully revolving around God. And perhaps we're thinking, well, does this really matter? Plenty of people in the world ignore God and they seem to be very happy and content. But you notice how Paul begins this reading. He said, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That's an emphatic word. It's a word that's meant to pack a real punch. This isn't Paul just suggesting, well, you can live for God if you like, and if you don't want to, well, it's just your choice. He says, actually, the, the consequences of not living for God are really serious. So lovingly, but firmly, he's insisting. He's saying, please, listen. In one of my favorite books in the Bible, a book called Ecclesiastes, we read in one of the chapters that God has set eternity in our hearts. And part of what that means is that God designed us, made us to know him. He made us to be in a relationship with him for all of eternity. That's what we were created to be. Hence why we were created in his image. But when we turn our back on God, when our hearts become calloused and hard to him, when our understanding is darkened, that eternity that's deep within our heart, we kind of suppress. We we, We don't want to think about it. We don't want to listen to God. And when we ignore God, and we looked at this in Isaiah too, What do we do? We replace God with something else in our life that becomes a functional God to us. I love Steve's honesty and his testimony. He spoke about his selfishness, that turning to alcoholism was selfish. And because of the the pain he was feeling in his life, it led to fear, didn't it? Fear that he couldn't even go to the shops without having a drink, couldn't go out and see friends or even family. And it drove him to a point where he even wanted to end his own life. Here's a picture of complete brokenness. Now, you and I may not have suffered in the same way with alcoholism. Perhaps we have. But we've all suffered with something that's become a fear in our life, that's controlled us, that's consumed us, because God's not been Lord. Where have we all got it wrong? It's quite simple. God hasn't been at the centre of our life. And I'm sure you can think of examples of how that's been true in your life. I'm very aware of examples where it's not true in mine. But far more importantly, in one sense, and where there's a real sense of joy, is looking at that second question, how can our lives be changed? Because as I said at the beginning, one of the joys of a baptism is it's really a picture of a transformation that's happened in Steve's life. Not just an outward thing, but something that's happened really deep within his heart. Another favourite verse in the Bible comes in the book called 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5 says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has put their trust in the Lord Jesus... They are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Outwardly, Steve may not look hugely different to his former life, but inwardly he's a completely new man, all by the grace of God. It's this total transformation of putting off the old way of life and putting on the new way of life. And as Neil has explained, that's what baptism is. Going under the water is a, is a symbolic way of saying, I'm dying to my old way of life. I'm shedding the darkness and the... The, the decision to have God not a part of my life. And then when I go under the water, it's a sense of being cleansed and coming up out of the water to say, now Jesus is my Lord. I'm clothed in something completely new. And so you see in that passage, putting off, verse 22, and putting on. But the really amazing thing is that that is not done by sheer willpower. And Steve's spoken of this. He hasn't just decided in his heart, I'm going to change. And then just, just been completely focused in his heart and mind and just gone about making changes himself. The, the glorious truth is he has testified that God has begun to do a work in his heart and will continue to do that 
for years to come. Do you notice in verse 23 that this change is a gift? It talks about being made new in the attitudes of our minds. That's a passive thing. It's not something we do ourselves. It's something that God gives us. It's something that he grows within us. And the amazing transformation that's happened in his life is down to the grace of God alone. But as God works in our heart, he removes our old self and he gives us a new self. And all that happened is a transformation of attitude. And what's the source of this changed attitude, this desire? Where's it all come from? Well, as he's testified, it's Jesus Christ. You notice in verse 21, uh, that, however, is not your way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. The transformation that's happened in Steve's life is all because of the Lord Jesus, and it's a great joy to celebrate with him. I think he said in his testimony that phrase, I met Jesus. Now, that's kind of a strange phrase, isn't it? What do you mean you met Jesus? I could go out with a friend and have a drink and meet them physically. Steve's never met Jesus in the sense of being able to see him and talk to him in that way, like I could meet you. But he has in a very profound way met Jesus because he's come to understand who Jesus Christ is. Not just a person, not just a swear word, but a living saviour who loves him. And when Steve first turned and put his trust in Jesus, God came to live within Steve by his Holy Spirit. And that is the most amazing miracle that could happen to any one of us. And it's in that sense that he's met Jesus. And he spoke in his testimony, didn't he, of the peace that coming to know Jesus brings. He said this, I came to understand that I wasn't in charge and that there was a God I just want to read a few verses from the previous chapter in Ephesians, just to encourage you, Steve, and to remind each of us. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. Let me read these. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the really significant bit. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God Steve has come to understand just how much God loves him and came to rescue him in all of his brokenness and that's what he wants to do for each of us So how can our lives be changed? It's simply having an encounter with Jesus Christ, meeting him, not physically meeting him, but meeting him spiritually because he comes to live within us by his spirit. And that is the most amazing privilege and joy that any human being could ever know. But what's this all going to look like going forwards? Well, I don't know if you notice a bit later in the reading. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you know earlier we looked at this kind of progression when that callous forms around our hearts. The hardening of heart leads to ignorance, leads to separation, leads to darkened understanding. But when God comes to live in you by his spirit, when we truly meet him, the complete reverse begins to happen. 
He begins to give us a right understanding, an understanding of who he is, an understanding of who we are. He then begins to develop and grow that relationship, just as we grow to know other people better. For the rest of our lives as Christian believers, we get to know Jesus Christ better. And as we develop in our relationship with him, God begins to grow in us wisdom, not wisdom of the world, but his wisdom. Wisdom that puts him at the centre. And as he grows wisdom in our hearts, then he begins to soften our hearts. And we've seen this picture before, haven't we? The breaking of the hardness of heart, the callus that formed around our heart, and the beginning of the growth of a heart that is malleable, that can be changed, that can be transformed by the work of Jesus. Do you notice uh, in that little verse there, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If you think about the relationship between a, a son or a daughter with their father, when a child does something wrong that's perhaps going to hurt them or hurt someone else or makes a wrong decision, it hurts the parent, doesn't it? It grieves them because the parent knows what's best for the child. And when God comes to live in with us by his spirit, gradually it makes our conscience more sensitive to God. Because we begin to want to listen to him more than we ever did before. And you all know that kind of prick in your heart where God's saying, no, that's your old way of life. I've got something better for you. And gradually as God softens our hearts, he teaches us to less and less grieve his spirit, but more and more walk in step with his spirit. And that is where transformation all comes. So as we come to baptise Steve now, Where have we all got it wrong? We have not had God at the centre. How can our lives be changed? Because we have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will this look like going forward? Day by day, a transformed life, all enabled by the Spirit of God. And I hope and pray that will encourage you, Steve, as you continue to give your life to Jesus. And I hope and pray it will encourage each of us to keep walking and to keep following God. Amen.